ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਫਤਿਹ ਜੀ ਨਾਓ ਲੈਟਸ ਜਸਟ ਸੈਟ ਦ ਸੀਨ ਹੀਅਰ ਰਿਗਾਰਡਿੰਗ ਥਿਸ ਪਰਟਿਕੂਲਰ ਟੌਪਿਕ ਵੀ ਵੀ ਆਰ ਇਨ 1872 ਦਾ ਸਿੱਖ ਐਂਪਾਇਰ ਹੈਸ ਫੋਲਨ ਇਟਸ ਓਨਲੀ ਬੀਨ ਅ ਫਿਊ ਡੈਕੇਡਸ ਕ੍ਰਿਸਚੀਅਨ ਮਿਸ਼ਨਰੀਜ਼ ਹਿੰਦੂ ਮਿਸ਼ਨਰੀਜ਼ ਇਸਲਾਮਿਕ ਮਿਸ਼ਨਰੀਜ਼ ਹੈਵ ਪੈਨਟ੍ਰੇਟਡ ਦਾ ਇਨਫਿਲਟ੍ਰੇਟਡ ਆਈ ਵੁੱਡ ਸੇ ਦਾ ਸਿੱਖ ਹਾਰਟਲੈਂਡਸ we have uh, very discordant uh, translations of the guru granth sahib running around we have all these other granths being promoted we have mythology which started under maharaja ranjit singh being uh, promoted as puratan maryada and during this time there is a incident where several sikh children of prominent sikh families decide that they will publicly cut their hair and become christians because they don't know what sikhi is and they find turbans a burden on their head now to address this there's a big meeting in guru ka bag amritsar and a very dodgy character named shardaram filori pandit shardaram filori who's actually if i remember correctly the grandson of another pandit pandit jwaladas filori who was also a quite a notorious quite a famous associate of hira singh dogra during the last days of the sikh empire he decides to avenge his uh, grandfather's uh, you can see the penalty his grandfather was given for his corruption was that uh, alexander gardner one of the europeans at the lahore darbar he actually uh, took a blade and cut off his nose his fingers and his toes in public at that time that was the punishment meted out so he decides to take revenge by making very uh, insidious and offensive remarks about the sikh gurus now at the in the audience we have professor gurmukh singh kanwar bikram singh of kapurthla gyani gyan singh khem singh bedi gyani sardul singh pai tak singh all these individuals are down, down there they hear what has happened they actually hear what this man is saying and they decide that to address his policies to address this entire uh, offensive against sikhi they're going to convert more sikhs they're going to convert more people into sikhi and this is the birth of the singh sabha which later divided into the snatan amritsar counterpart which pretty much rotted away and the more proactive more dynamic lahore singh sabha which today has become the stuff of legends and if i recall correctly it was the efforts of the singh sabha which led to that uh, quite a glorious result for sikhs in the 1931 census absolutely and uh you actually make a good point uh, that uh that in the 1870s there was a massive massive effort by the abrahamic faiths and the hindu faiths to let's say absorb sikhs back back into their fold yeah yes or in case of the christians to to convert them to christianity and so on yes and uh, a lot of christians in punjab are actually uh, the converts of that time yes that's right i mean if i remember correctly the batala christian missionary center that also produced macleod who in recent years in new zealand was quite uh, infamous for his attacks on sikhi sikh history and sikh literature but the point was that due to the work of the singh sabha scholars influenced by singh sabha lahore they were able to expose him for the charlton he was i believe there are more cases like that and uh, 
uh, okay. The the process of conversion, let's say, or the efforts made to convert Sikhs to Sikhi, in terms of the Hindu religion, were okay. Can you please shed some light on the Arya Samaj movement? Because right, I, so do believe, Aryas, I do believe, I do believe, they were part of the same thread, which simply hmm. says that Sikhs are just a sect of Hinduism. So the Arya Smarts movement, from my understanding, it started like this, that the British realized that, you know, to prevent the denizens of the subcontinent from uniting, they could just about utilize religion to keep them separated. And Arya Smarts was actually the brainchild of Dhananda Saraswati, about who there is quite a lot of uh, doubt that he might have actually colluded with the British to form the Arya Smarts, or he was... That's pretty much a generally accepted fact that Hinduism did not exist as it did today as a, you know, more, uh, how would you say, a monochromatic whole. There was no monolithic thing called Hindu. It was more or less a derogatory term utilized to describe the people who lived in the subcontinent who were not Muslims. Yeah. However, Dayananda decided that he wanted to make some sort of a political hegemony out of it. So his standard for defining Hindu was the culture arising from the four Vedas and the, you know, subsequent scriptures. Now, were there any scriptures pre-Vedic period? If there were, they were probably wiped out by the Aryans who supplanted them with the Vedas and, you know, the caste system followed and so forth. Now, initially speaking, the way the Arya Smaj was promoted, it was promoted as a bit of a revolutionary movement aiming to gain significant political, uh, political, I guess you would say, that the aim was to gain subsequent, uh, subsequently like a strong political uh, power for, you know, the non-Abrahamic faiths. That's how it promoted itself. And the <clears throat> Sikhs were actually inculcated into its ranks owing to the Abrahamic Dharmic binary. Now, the dharmic binary starts like this, that there is reincarnation, past life reincarnation, there is salvation, and this world is false. That's the dharmic, you know, quagmire. The Abrahamic one is a belief in God, a belief in heaven and hell, and of course a belief in, a, you know, the agency of a prophet to, you know, be like a reflection of that God. You look at Sikhi, Sikhi is different from both the dharmic quagmire and the Abrahamic quagmire. However, the time period we are talking about, this came on the tail end of, you know, the fall of the Sikh empire. When Maharaja Ranjit Singh ascended to the throne, he brought, well, he didn't technically ascend to the throne, but, you know, for uh, argument's sake as an emperor, let's just say he ascended to the throne of the Sikh empire. When he came along, it was only natural that the binary which had existed in Hindu kingdoms seeped into Sikhi where the king became the godhead and the ministers became, you know, like uh, his charlatans who tried appeasing him by, you know, mentioning that he was a god. And to the point that, look at Ratan Singh Pangu. Ratan Singh Pangu insinuates that Baba Gurbak Singh Sheed was reincarnated as Maharaja Ranjit Singh. And for one man to negotiate the political uh, prodigium thrown up by these diverse religions quite a lot of concessions had to be made. And Ranjit Singh also had a fear of the Sikhs that leashed the Khalsa system of Nuab Kapoor Singh, the Khalsa Republic of Nuab Kapoor Singh or Banda Singh Bahadur be restored. He actually 
you can say, in a way, worked against the interests of the Sikhs by increasing the monarchy and the divinity associated with it. So ultimately, it came to a point where Sikhs outside the Punjabi heartlands only saw themselves as some divine, or not divine, but human counterparts to the Hindu pantheon in the heavens. It was the Sikhs of the heartland, like Baba Dial Singh, who was the founder of the initial Narankari movement, who were a bit different, who were what we can say purists of the Guru Granth Sahib. The very reason why I asked you about the Arya Samaj was the example I was reading yesterday. The family of Pagat Singh were Arya Samaji, eh? Yes, there were Arya Samaji because you see, even among the Arya Samaj, there were many uh, factions which arose after then and the Saraswati's death. Now, if I remember correctly, the Sikh Review in 2008 uh, quoted uh, contemporary references from the Anandasoyna close uh, associates who actually said that he came to the Punjab after uh, Gyanid Ditsing destroyed him in a debate. Gyanid Ditsing wrote a book about it, Dehananda Samvad, in which he pretty much took about the Vedic theory of you know, religion. And after that, Dehananda was compelled to come to the Punjab. And when he saw what the Sikhs were doing and you know what Sikh he really was, he actually decided to apologize to the Sikhs for his earlier offensive remarks. Now, remember, this is just what they are saying. We don't know whether that's the truth or not. And to that end, he ordered that all the disparagement he had in his books towards the Sikh gurus, it was to be removed by the publishers. However, after his death, the movement was hijacked by uh, the more uh, radical of his followers, you can say. And from then on, there was no question of going back. It was already a sworn foe of the Singh Sabha. It became more entrenched in its views, and the Sabha was the same. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's return to the main topic. Yep. Do Sikhs actually convert people or not? Now, see, the funny thing is, the funny thing is that Sikhs know many languages today. They know English, you know, they know many other languages. But one thing which a majority of our people don't seem to understand is that words have power. And one word can have different, you know, connotations and denotations. Now, the word convert, when I say we are going to convert someone into our faith, what is the impression which comes in your mind? Uh, that we're going to tell him that if you don't become a Sikh, that your life is, is going to be miserable or something. And that's exactly the picture which our people have in their minds, that, you know, we're going to take a kirpan, place it on, you know, the person's neck and say, become Sikh or otherwise game over for you. Whereas if you look at convert as a word alone, it just means to promote your faith, to promote the truth as you see it, as it is in your ideology, and then attempt to convince them through some rational, some logic to, you know, imbibe your principles, your tenets, rather than, you know, what the word convert has come to mean now in, you know, the Abrahamic uh, discourse. We could say, yeah. Yeah. In the Abrahamic sense, which is, you know, forceful conversion. Uh, not just forceful conversion, it's, it's, it's a threat to you, that if you don't believe what we believe, you are destined for eternal hellfire. Mm-hmm. Now, now, that's their one. They see themselves as saving souls, even if they attack someone. In Sikhi, we don't have that. Now, 
one of the main incidents we get from Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji's life is that, you know, Guru Maharaj is in the Shivalik Hills. He's moved here. They have built Kiratpur. They have fortified it. And uh, one day, Raja Tarachand, one of the Rajputs he uh, had liberated from prison, invites him to uh, sit in uh, uh, Navratri. Yes, Navratri. So he invites him to, you know, Navratri, where they're worshipping their, you know, Devi Mata or whatever. The Guru is sitting outside watching all these you know, festivities occurring and he has his men go out and buy weapons because there was a weapons merchant in town. Now, one of the Sikhs down there, uh, if I remember correctly, Bhero. Bhero got into an argument with a Brahmin who uh, forbade him from going into his own house because he was a low caste or something. And the Brahmin said that now he had become Sikh. He was casteless. He was polluting the city. Bhero got so angry, he rushed into the temple, took out his sword and struck off the, you know, the nose on the idol of their Devima. There was a massive uproar and Bhero, you know, got arrested and he was produced before Raja Tarachand. Now, Tarachand might have had him executed on a good day, but, you know, even Tarachand was scared of the fact that Guru Hargobind was down there and that the uh, Akalis were, you know, warriors who fought wars for total annihilation. So he forwarded Bhero to the Guru and the Guru asked Bhero that, look, why did you do this? You hurt quite a lot of people's sentiments. And uh, Bhero told him the issue. So Guru Hargobind got up and walked down to Bhero and said that, you know, you took out a sword, you cut off that idol's nose. You pretty much entrenched their views, you know, allowed them to entrench their views and their minds further. They see you as an oppressor. You should have just used logic and rationality. And then he turned around to the pundits and he told the people down there, like quite a lot of people had gathered there, that, you know, people, you believe that Devi Ma is going to manifest and save you from the Mughals. She could barely protect her own nose on that idol you had built. Isn't it better for you to arm yourselves and fight to liberate yourselves rather than relying on gods who never seem to manifest? And at this, the Brahmins pretty much fled knowing they had been exposed. And the people down there decided to learn more about Sikhi to convert. Hmm, that's a good example. Not not many people know about it. No. No, no, not many people know about it. And it's one of those examples which have to be, you know, relayed over and over and over again because the story down here is that, you know, when the pundits came to Guru Tegh Bhadra, Guru Tegh Bhadra told them that, you know, pretty much that Sikhi is at a stage where I'm not going to, you know, go out and fight for you. Rather, I'm going to go out and stand up for the freedom of conscience, you know, freedom of conscience against caste, against Islam, against everything, against, you know, religious oppression, freedom of conscience. And at that time, when the Sikhs asked him that, you know, if he confront the Mughals openly, what happens? And the Guru told him that, look, we can't fight for the caste system. We oppose the caste system. People can never, you know, people who are tyrants, they can never be suppressed through another form of tyranny. Tyranny can't destroy tyranny. You need logic and rationality to empower people, and only then will they be able to see the truth. True. And if you look at the history of the Western world, let's look at the European world. I mean, look at Spain when it went to Mexico. There was a massive effort made by Cortes to wipe out the, you know, the ancestral faith of the Aztecs, and they succeeded in banning human sacrifice. But even today, you see that the Christian religion has been superseded by whatever the Aztecs believed in, because people just intermingled it together to retain their own faith. Yet in some areas where Cortes went, there were more enlightened uh, foes of the Aztecs, 
who also decided to give up human sacrifice when they heard the rational that, you know, these people are humans, they're just like you. What are you doing? Why are you sacrificing them to gods? You know, these bloodthirsty gods, what's the, what's the reason behind it? And I've, I've pretty much think today that if there had been Sikhs down there, they would have said, no, let them just practice human sacrifice. You know, we can't hurt their views, can't hurt their beliefs. All faiths lead to God. End of story. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> that, that is truth. a situation. Unfortunately, yes, I agree with you. Yep, and that's the truth. And now, you know, the Snowflake Brigade down here, the Snowflake Battalions, which have been actually following us, um, most of these Snowflakes can't consider the fact that we are actually allowed to convert. How did Sikhi start? Baba Nanak converted Mardana. Baba Nanak converted his sister. Baba Nanak converted his family. You know, that's how Sikhi started. And from then we come down to the Gurus, and the Gurus actively converted people to Sikhi throughout their entire lives. Okay. For well, you know, it's my habit to give simple examples here. Yeah? Yep, Guru Gobind Singh was born in Patna, yeah, Bihar. Yep, I'll accept it. Yes, so as you said, yep, Guru Gobind Singh was born in Patna, Bihar. We just had a bit of a technical issue there. Yes, so after, so the, the very basic question is that what was his father, Guru Tegh Bhattar, doing in that region? Mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know, that silence, that silence is the world's smallest while in playing for the snowflakes who say Sikhs can't convert because he was converting people to Sikhi. Well, surely they were not holidaying there. Nope, no vacations. <laughs> they were not there, there to attend our wedding or something. Nope, nothing. So it was, I, I would say it took a few years actually that uh, Nome Pache actually went to that part of the country. I think he spent a few years there. Yes, he did. And then if you look at Bangladesh as well, you know, the, those eastern parts. Now, it's generally in Sikh history books, it's pretty much written that all those Sikhs down there, majority are converts who the Guru converted when he was down there. And Guru Gobind Singh returned to another Bursar when he was seven or uh, six or seven years of age, yeah? Yes, yeah, six or seven years of age. And Guru Gobind Singh actively converted pretty much hundreds and thousands to Sikhi to the Khalsa at that time. The Guru did it himself. All these, you know, journeys around Anandapur, outside Anandapur, and even en route to Nanded, Batenda, he converted thousands, hundreds of thousands to Sikhi. Yep, and through a very simple example, we have established our claim that that yes, Sikhs yes. in fact do convert people, and we have done so in the past. Yep. Now let's let's leave aside the fact that those are the gurus, because you know what the Snowflake crew insists is that those were the gurus. So let's come down to Banda Singh Badr. Banda Singh Badr converted 10 to 16,000 Muslims to the Sikh faith. Now, you know, there is that insinuation that he might have done this through the sword, but a majority of them were peasants who had nothing to lose anyway, and they converted out of their own free will. You can look at contemporary documents which actually call for the death of those people because their grave sin in the eyes of the mullahs is that they, you know, willingly discarded Islam to become Sikhs. And then you look at the low-caste Hindus. You know, look at Arvind. Arvind pretty much quotes a lot of references where, you know, low-caste Hindus converted to Sikhi and Brahmins had to fold their hands in front of them and bow down to them because the caste system was destroyed by their conversion. You have so many examples. You have Pai Mani Singh. You have the Guru Matas converting thousands. You have Nwab Kapoor Singh. Coming down up to the fact that the Singh Sabha Lahore we are talking about, if it had continued, 
Sikhs would have had a majority population, probably enough to get their own country when the British left. Uh, well, uh, you mentioned the 1931 census, yeah? Yep. I have that census uh, in, uh, in, my, in my laptop, and uh, I was actually reading it a few months ago. Hmm. So whosoever kept the records, uh, there, there's a, actually a map in there? Yes. And they have drawn a circle over the central Punjab. Yep. This is the Sikh heartland. Yes. And they, they actually give the numbers of each district, the number of Sikhs uh, in the last decade and now in this decade. Yep. And all of those people converted for various reasons, not, not just Sikhi Parchar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So after the First World War, when uh, a lot of returning soldiers got uh, issued land and everything, yeah? Yes. People converted to join the army as well because mm-hmm. Sikhs were preferred. I guess one thing where we fail after the gurus left, where we have been failing is that we have been unable to establish systems where we can, you know, judge the quality of the converts over the quantity of the converts. Maharaja Ranjit Singh fell and look at what the Dogras brought into Sikhi. You know what the, you know, those converts brought into Sikhi, caste, havens and whatnot. Now, amazingly enough, we're seeing a similar attitude today. On Sikh Twitter, there was this massive outcry a few uh, weeks back, maybe a month back, that, you know, won't name the particular handle, but they made a comment that, you know, Sikhs performed Havans back on the day based on some, you know, excerpts from a book, which no one had actually analyzed if that was true or not. Lots of people shouted them off. Now, suddenly, all those handles today after what happened in Delhi have become pretty pro-Sikh, that, you know, Sikhs have a different identity, blah, blah, blah. So the fact is that Sikh Pracharaks or, you know, Sikh researchers, they need to remember that their work is being read, their uh, work is being followed by, you know, thousands of others. You need to have a particular stand. Otherwise, you're getting people into Sikhi who are going to be following some, you know, misnomered Sikhi, some, you know, false Sikhi, and they will never realize what real Sikhi is. In fact, they will actually handicap other people from following real Sikhi. Yep, uh, that that is true, and uh, I, I guess there were a lot of uh, malpractices in Sikhi you know, uh, way back, but because because people were not always willing to leave everything behind from your from their previous heritage. Yeah. Yes, that's the thing. Now <clears throat> you look at Baba Dial Singh Narankari, his descendant, Doctor Man Singh Narankari, who unfortunately passed away in two thousand and eight. I was reading one of his books, and Doctor Man Singh Narankari pretty much pointed out that you know, our counterparts, the maryada we have for our counterparts is that the family members should perform it at birth or at death, right? The family members, no one else. The very fundamental principle of the counterpart was that no one was being paid to perform it. Today, just like what happens in Hindu temples, we have these full-time readings and there are grantees and -and so-and-so being paid money to perform it, but no one's listening to it. It's just hollow chanting. Whereas Gurbani says that reading Gurbani is not as fruitful as living Gurbani. It's a big business. I would simply yeah. say that. It's a big business. Now, when these businesses go out and convert people to Sikhi, do you really believe that those people will actually follow authentic Sikhi? Well, they have no understanding of it. They simply say it's a, a, another way of a living or another way of so-called salvation. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing. But if we take a firm stand that, you know, Sikhi doesn't believe in havens or, you know, Sikhi doesn't believe in these uh, 
modern counterparts, which are a business we believe in our counterparts done by the family. Sikhi doesn't believe in hollow nitanim. Sikhi believes in nitanim, but living by that nitanim every day of your life. That's an altogether different story, isn't it? Because you're imbibing strength in people. You're imbibing confidence. You're empowering people rather than joining them to something which has no use whatsoever. I mean, <clears throat> for example, today we have this thing that, you know, many converts go to the Gurdwara. They feel bad if they miss going to the Gurdwara, boy down to the Guru Granth Sahib, get a Ramallah, do Aarti and whatever. In reality, do you really think that's going to make a difference if you don't follow what the Guru Granth Sahib says? No. And that's the thing. Now, when we preach, when we want to convert people, because it's clear that we can convert people, whatever the snowflakes say, when we want to convert people, we need to convert them with this thing in mind, that we need to convert them to the right purview of Saki, you know? Uh, I think that that requires further discussion because uh, it's a long topic that uh, it, look, we have so many so-called Sampardas and everything. Yes, yes. So they, they, their version of Sikhi is different from each other. That's the thing, and that is a separate topic, but as a general rule of thumb. Now, <clears throat> if you look at Saudi Arabia, a long time ago they had a similar problem. There were so many sects of Islam running around. It wasn't funny. So they decided, the religious authorities down there, that we're going to set up one accredited religious institute which will certify preachers and, you know, sort of, train our preachers so we can preserve whatever our authenticity is. Now, the problem down there is that it's a theological state, so the government nominally has a say in what the religious institute does and vice versa. However, in Sikhi, we aren't, in a, we aren't under a theocracy. We don't believe in a theocracy to a great degree. So we should have such institutes, you know, certified by the Kaltak, accredited by the high Sikh authorities, and only those people should be allowed to preach Sikhi and not every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Mm, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Now, if you look at the Sangha Sabha, the Sangha Sabha Lahore took it upon themselves to train preachers. You know, you need to train preachers if you want to convert people to Sikhi. And we're not saying that, you know, as the snowflakes accuse that you're saying that, you know, force people into Sikhi. Sikhi doesn't believe in converting people. Sikhi has no formal conversion process. What it is, is that if you believe Sikhi to be the truth, why won't you go and tell people about this truth? And if you introduce Sikhi to somebody, let's say, let's say a Hindu family somewhere in India, yep. Yep. the formal process could be that they, they would start reading upon Sikhi, yes. trying to understand it, and the final process could be that they would probably uh, take Amrit. That's the thing. I mean, if you believe Sikhi is authentic, Sikhi is a true way of life, why won't you go and promote Sikhi out there? Why won't you tell the world we are Sikhs? And why won't you tell people that, you know, you believe in something which is wrong? We believe in this. How are your beliefs getting? You know, for example, take it like this. In Sikhi, we say, pray for wisdom, pray for proactivity, go do it yourself. And in other faiths, you have the concept of, you know, just pray to God and wait for it to happen. Life doesn't work that way. You need to do something yourself. So, of course, someone who's had enough of praying to this God in the sky, they will be like, look, if there's a faith saying I can do it by myself, I should do it by myself. Why don't I, you know, follow that faith? You're changing their life for the better. That actually reminds me of a joke by an American comedian called Andrew Schultz, if you heard of him. Yep. He was actually, uh, uh, he's quite knowledgeable, yeah? 
Yes. I think he was making a joke about Indian Christians that they were losing every single war against the British and the people, people were thinking, what has their God got that my God hasn't? Yep. And so they, they converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. But that, that's that's blind conversion straight away. And our people seem to be, you know, favoring blind conversion. Now, if you tell someone, when we put up that poster, you know, when that poster got put up and there was a massive... um. We received a massive, uh, you know, response to that because the interfaith marriages one really took off. Um, there's a special place in Snowflake Hell for both of us for that one. <laughs> but not just quite... so. the 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 bottom rung, the the lowest level, the lowest level. Yep, the lowest level where there's no snow. So we received, however, a ninety percent of the response was positive. Only ten percent was the, you know. You have it. Let's accept it. Let's move on. We have snowflakes. Anyhow, <clears throat> when we put up the conversion poster, now here was what was the first comment on one of these, you know, Facebook groups. Waheguru brings people to Sikhi. Waheguru will convert them to Sikhi. Why are you guys saying people need to be converted to Sikhi? Then all the preaching of the Guru Sabs was for nothing. You know, and I, I apologize in advance for what I'm about to say, but the, the like... I used to have an instructor once and he told me something which I've actually, you know, sort of adopted for my life. And this is that there is no, there is no cure for fuckwitism. And this is exactly what it is. Fuckwitry, which we are seeing. Well, there's definitely no cure. 100% correct on that one. No, no cure. Yep. Now, it's being said that Vaheguru is bringing people into Sikhi. Now, can anyone tell me why we have one of the lowest fertility rates, why we have one of the lowest population rates? And they will tell us that, you know, quality over quantity, quality over quantity. Well, where's the quality today anyway? You're converting, not even converting, you're bringing Sikhs today into the Khalsa fold. You know, the Khalsa is the full form of the Sikh and you're getting Sikhs to take Umbrit and become Sikhs. Now, what about, you know, the non-Sikhs? Why aren't you, you know, talking with them and targeting, or not targeting, I guess, that's a very bad word. But why aren't you, you know, sort of just uh, analyzing what they want, you know? Why don't you go and promote Sikhi to them? And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you what one of the foremost reasons is. Veer Popinder Singh of The Living Treasure, he actually wrote a book, The Guru's Legacy. And in it, he writes it pretty bluntly. We don't have educated preachers. Our preachers cannot talk in English. They feel ashamed to talk with someone who knows English. That's why they stick to the rudimentary Punjabi audience who falls for their gap kahaniya every time. And, and not just uh, uh, if you see a vast, a vast majority of preachers, at least what I've seen in Punjab and limited experience outside Punjab is like they come from, uh, let's say, not not affluent families. They they become preachers to run their households. Yep, run their households. And of course, for the money, they're going to tell people what people want to hear rather than what people need to hear. Now, the English speaking preachers, here's another one. This is going to be pretty damn offensive to some of them, but let's just tell the truth. They only target Sikh audiences or audiences who they know are incredulous and gullible enough to fall for their uh, fall for their you know myths, whatever they're stating, whatever they're insinuating. How many of these English speakers have you actually seen take up atheists? None of them will take on atheists because they know at the end they will be the ones losing. Well, they, they never do. They're just sitting sitting in front of the sangha and just. Talk about it for a few things, probably an half an half an hour or something. Then they will uh, collect the bills and they just go home. Yep. Now let me tell you a little story. One of my uh, friends in Canada he rang me up one night and I said, "Yep, so what's up?" And he said, "Look, we had an interfaith debate. 
and it was hosted by an atheist society in one of their uh, universities. Now, there are all these atheists sitting and, you know, they were uh, debating with people from the Islamic community. So I had given him some points beforehand from Gurbani and he read them out and he justified them to Gurbani. Now, the atheists were actually beginning to, you know, show interest. Oh, so this is what Sikhs believe, you know, this is what they believe. They don't believe in this heaven and hell quandary. And uh, the second uh, round of the debate was that, you know, historic figures, mystical figures, and Sikhi, we have our shahids, but we don't describe supernatural powers to them. We inscribe inspirational powers to them, influential powers to them. And one of the girls from the Islamic corner, what she said was that, look, we believe in two angels and they sit on your shoulders or something. And our pal was about to get up to answer her that we don't believe in this when one of the Sikh girls got up and said, well, actually, so-and-so, Plane Plane Babaji said this, that we also have those angels. And he told me that at the end it was a tie because the atheists couldn't decide who was more dumber, them or the others. <laughs> Unfortunately, and, that is true. In the West, I, I, I just can't understand. Uh, even though you're educated, even though your mind should be open, you were still sticking to the old illiterate Babaji who just told you false high tales and got money out of your parents or grandparents and you're still sticking to them. Now, this is what I told them. I told them, look, we need to have an aim when we are doing prachar because, you know, some of them are pracharics in Canada as well. And what I told them was that imagine if roles were reversed and that was a whole, uh, the other side were atheists debating with you and religious people were in the audience. Do you think that by the end, many religious people would have started uh, questioning their convictions if the atheists beat you? And he told me, yes. And I told him, that's what you should have been aiming for, that by the time we left up, uh, we got up and left, people should have started, you know, questioning their convictions and looking at Sikhi, asking themselves that isn't Sikhi proactive enough for us? But, but we have a problem down here that we are too rooted in the past and not in Gurbani. But like you said, what Babaji says. And, and uh, it's not just that, uh, a lot of times when you see the posts of such people or maybe some videos on YouTube or social medias, hmm. there's one word being thrown around all the time. Yep. Samparda and, and well, it's a second word also, and uh, Puratan Sikh. That's, that's one of the bigger things because, you know, we people see Sikhs and they're like, hell, this is a confused lot. So you have these modern Sikhs, then you have the Puratan Sikhs, then you have those Sikhs, then you have these Sikhs. It's like any other religion. And now you've got this new category, Sanatan Sikhs. And, you know, what's funny enough is that who are you, like, if you want to convert people to Sikhi, you've got to clarify that you only stick to the Guru Granth side. People will convert to Sikhi altogether. You know, people will do it as long as you're sticking to the root source of your faith. Now, if you keep on promoting all this other stuff, they're just going to look at you and say, look, you guys are just another stratifying religion. You're stratifying society. And, as you were saying, we've got so many different Sikhs. Now, Er Pell believes in the Guru Granth Sahib, okay? Solely believes in the Guru Granth Sahib. He's an Amritari. The girl with him, she believes in Babaji, how Babaji believes in the Guru Granth Sahib. You see where there's a friction? And most of the time when I see these interfaith debates, most of the Sikhs are trying to outshout each other to present their own views as being right, while the other side is pretty united. Hmm. Well, it, 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 it becomes less of a Sikh focus. It becomes more of a the Baba focus stuff. 
whatever it becomes, like, see, look, we both have had a bit of a military experience. You have one army, right? Uh, for example, one of the famous uh, tactics which the Mongolians, you know, and the Sikhs, they preferred, let's just stick to the Mongolians for now, you would have an opposing army which you would divide or wait for it to divide itself and then just finish them off. And this is what's happening with there a lot that, you know, in these interfaith debates, we are dividing ourselves. Now, a long time ago, I saw a video of Hyde Corner in uh, the UK, might be taken down now. One of the Islamic preachers was uh, making statements against the Sikh gurus that, you know, our prophet uh, cleaved the moon in half. And <laughs> one of our um, boys went up there and he's like, uh, nay, nay, this can't happen like that. You know, that's called a solar eclipse. And uh, people were like, shit, this guy knows his stuff. And, you know, at the end, this individual, the Sikh individual has won the debate, but he cuts off his own feet. Do you know what he said at the end? What did he say? He said, oh, look, you guys keep on talking about solar eclipses. Our Baba Nanak turned himself into a sparrow and used to fly around the world. Uh, why a sparrow? A sparrow can be hunted down. Should I say the I don't know. I, I don't know what the reason is, but the thing is that, you know, we are talking about converting people to Sikhi. You know, let's say you're a non-Sikh bystander. There's one guy telling you that, you know, his um religious figurehead did solar eclipses before they even existed. And then there's another one who's saying that his religious figurehead turned into a sparrow and flew around the world. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to believe out of both of them? Probably the solar eclipse, could, because I can still see that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're not saying that, you know, if those guys are shouting at you, you shout back at them and get into their face. But how shameful was it that there is a book from Gurbani which says that, you know, to be a true Muslim, you need to renounce what you believe a Muslim to be. You need to do those uh, internal prayers of and then you become a sahib. There is no mention of the name Prophet Muhammad in there. The mistranslation says that to be a true Muslim, you need to be a follower of the Prophet Muhammad. How shameful is it that a Sikh preacher who knows better still sticks to those lines and says that if he had told the truth, people would have turned against him. Okay, uh, I'll ask you a very simple question. Yep. And it is offensive. Yes. Why would a Sikh preacher tell you the truth if he or she knows that telling you the truth will mean less returns in in monetary terms? That's the thing. That's the thing. If you're looking at converting people, you're talking about quality, you're talking about quantity, you're looking at these things then look at yourself. Why are you converting people to Sikhi? What is in it for you? And if it's monetary gain, well, then of course you convert people to Sikhi. Two, three years down the line, they will be leaving Sikhi or they will be forced to question themselves as to what it is I'm believing or not. From day one, you have actually brought people into Sikhi and the foundations of their faith in Sikhi are weak because you have lied to them. Uh, I was actually reading about uh, the converts to Islam, yeah? Yes. And uh, it is true that the vast majority of the converts leave within a year or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, marriage is uh, a major reason, reason for conversion, especially yep. uh, females, yeah? Yes. They can't leave because they are married to the person or the man in this case. Yeah. Yep, and we discussed this in the last episode. We discussed how these things happen in those cultures and in our culture as well. Yeah, uh, I think it, uh, it's it's quite fashionable uh, these days to let let's say 
know about other cultures and practice other cultures. You, know, you, you have that massive weeb culture in, in America, yeah? You do. It's almost like, you know, you're trying to apologize. I don't know how, but, you know, for some reason, it's always couched as being some sort of apology for, you know, colonialism and Eurocentrism. When, you know, we don't need any of that. What's happened has happened. Now let's make the future good rather than, you know, just tying on turbans and saying, look, I'm sorry for what my ancestors did to you. Well, we haven't done anything wrong to anybody, so we are clean in this light. We are clean in this light. Now, let me give you an example. A few years ago, the Labour Party in New Zealand was changing their leaders. Uh, National head John Key, if I remember correctly, his name was David Cunliffe. And uh, Cunliffe got up onto stage at a women's uh, abuse conference. And you know what the first thing he said was? I'm sorry for being a man. What? And down there, he damned himself straight away. Was that Cunliffe? Well, I don't know who it was, one of the Davids, but that's what I'm actually trying to make the point down here figuratively. This, you know, apologia, which is coming into Siki now, I mean, you get a, for example, I mean, if they're saying, if those people who want to convert to Siki, some of the white people, and they're saying, you know, and I've had this happen in the past, that look, we apologize for what our ancestors did to you. We want to become Sikhs. Our lot will go crazy. They will go insane straight away, get them into Gurdwaras, put on turbans, take pictures. But are you sure they want to become Sikhs? Will they be firm Sikhs? You need to train them. And that's why you look at the Sikh gurus. Back then, it was hard to become a Sikh because you were trained to become a Sikh, you know? Yep. Conversion weren't just for to get more numbers. They were to get proper Sikhs, yeah? Proper Sikhs, but it was balanced out. We need to balance both out. We need the numbers. We surely need the numbers. But we also need them to be firm Sikhs. That is 100% true. Okay, uh, let me give you the example. I think that that's a pragmatic here, yeah? Well, no, pragmatic is the right yep. Okay, whatever. My, my grandpa's side, side of the family. Yes. We... We know that we became Sikhs at the time of Guru Hargobind Sahib. Yes. So he extensively preached in the Madhya region, yeah? Yep. So he he reached out, out to the people over there. He preached Sikhi and we became Sikhs. Yep. Yep. Then comes the uh, to, let's say, we arrive into the 1920s. Yep. My other part of the family related to me, they converted to Sikhi from Hinduism in 1920s. Yes. And that was because of preaching, because of the things of a movement. Yep. So preaching of Sikhi brought us into Sikhi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, on my mother's side, I'm not too sure when, when her ancestors became Sikh, but it was a long time ago because all the names that, that you see are Sing, 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 Sing for, for many, many generations. They're probably a long, long yep. time ago. Yep. So from, from both sides of, of our family, my mother's side and my, and my father's side, we became Sikh because mm. Sikhi was preached to us. It was introduced mm-hmm. to us. Somebody, mm. somebody did came to us, uh, either Guru Sahibs or the preachers or whoever, yep. that this is what we believe. What do you believe in? Mm-hmm. And we were convinced through arguments, through debates, or through simple talking. I mean, let me, let me just give you a few examples. First one first, we know Guru Amar Das set up the Manji system. 22 of them. The Mas- 
Yep. And they were tasked with promoting and preaching Sikhi, converting people to Sikhi. Yeah. We know wherever Guru Nanak converted people to Sikhi, he empowered them to convert others into Sikhi. We know that. We come down the track. Now, when a Sikh is going to convert someone, for example, how many women do you think would have been thrown on flames as Sati Pratha in front of Guru Nanak? Multiple, countless. He would have challenged the people doing it to debates and asked them, look, is this right or is this wrong? You know, this is what I believe. This is what you believe. Fine, then he was debating with people. He would realize those people aren't interested in debate. They want to shout me out. But his logic and rational would affect the people in the audience and they would become Sikhs. We don't have that capability today. We just don't have that capability today to uh, debate about other people's faiths because what we know about those faiths, again, comes from illiterate Babaji's. Not just illiterate Babaji. It's come from, it comes from a lot of dodgy texts of the 1800s and 1900s. Yep, and if you read their texts, they're dodgy enough as they are, but when you're actually arguing with you know your own dodgy perceptions, you're going to lose. That's the first one. The second one I had in my mind was this. Now, do you know that during before the missiles attack of Delhi, one of the Rohila chieftains, Zabita Khan, his family, if I remember correctly, was actually uh, kidnapped, abducted by you know the vestiges of the Mughal Empire still left in Delhi. And this was when the missiles were uh, over the Gang Dwab and they were, you know, raiding around Delhi. They hadn't attacked Delhi yet. Now, Zabita Khan had clashed with the missiles, and he was on good terms with the missiles as well. It was like a quandary going on. <laughs> you know what Zabita Khan was advised to do by his advices? He was told that if you want to rescue your family and regain your domains, you need to become a Sikh. And some of these missiles allowed him to, you know, partake of Amrit, and he became Taram Singh Rohila. And the missiles, actually, the missiles who were opposed to this uh, Amrit ceremony being exploited, this conversion being exploited to gain the Sikhs' favor, favor they coined a very, uh, you know, offensive poem about him. Ek guru ka do chela adha sikh adha rohila. To, you know, insinuate, to tell the world, to illustrate that he was only doing it out of some personal desire and not for, you know, any conviction in Sikhi. We need to remember that, you know, when people, when high-profile celebrities and people, you know, say they love Sikhi, they want to convert to Sikhi, they're doing it for themselves. Now, let's look back a few months. There's a Bollywood actor called Randeep Huda. Am I right, Randeep? Someone like that? Yeah, yeah. And he had a role as a Sikh in some movie. Am I right? Yeah, it was related to the the, Sar, the Saragari battle. Yep, the Saragari battle. Look at the way the Sikh media went crazy about it. Well, you had posters of him uh, wearing a, a, a Kesari pug and uh, having a flowing beard and everything. And then at the end, when he cut off his hair, look at the same Sikh media writing all these journal articles that, oh, he isn't ready for it yet. He isn't ready for that yet. Tell the damn bloody truth that he did it for himself. We were idiots. We uh, promoted it as being some world-changing, earth-shattering event. Reality was that he just did it for the money, for that role, and we mistook that. What sort of impression does that make on people who want to convert to Sikhi? Think about it, that these idiots are ignoring us who have the conviction, the passion, who need to take that step to convert, who need the encouragement to convert. They're ignoring us, but they're going after these high-profile celebrities and take a note, Navjeet, please note these. These celebrities never pass up a chance to slap Sikhs in the face. 
<laughs> well, then they really do. And and that's the thing, down there straight away. What role models or what practicality is left in our conversion mechanism? I don't see any. Okay, uh, let me ask you a question that I think is relevant here. <clears throat> yep. How many of our people actually have the guts to admit that they, they do not know? And if somebody seeks an answer to a question, they should probably contact somebody who knows better. Not a majority. Not a majority at all. Not even a majority. I would say less than 5%. Possibly around the 1.5% mark. Today, you, you could go to the internet. Mm. Hmm. And, and read up on what's happening at the farmer's protest, yeah? Yes. People who haven't grown a single flower in their pot are trying to be experts on farming. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah? You're right, you're right. In the very same way, a lot of people will say, okay, Siki believes that, Siki believes that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, are you sure about that? Hmm. And one thing I'd like to point out is that on, you know, Seek Twitter, now this is one of those caution cautionary uh you can say statements we make from time to time we had one on you know seek liberals take heed don't let your id become you know dissolved in someone else's protest here's another one all the people saying that now is a good time to grow your cash you know take umbreath become seek people are obviously very passionate their passions are you know inflamed by what's happening and if you're saying that they should become seeks during this time you're actually taking away their need for introspection and self-reflection, that are they ready to become Sikhs? And people like this become Sikhs, the conflict or whatever the issue is, it's resolved. Later down the track, they don't know what to do with Sikhi because they became Sikhs out of blind passion. They never researched what it entails to be a Sikh. And when they hit a roadblock in life, they're the first ones to depart from Sikhi. Let, let, let's say conversion to any belief, not just a religion. Mm -hmm. Conversion to any school, right. any school of thought should be a long process, at least a, a few years, I would say. I mean, if I if I remember correctly, when the SGPC was actually initially formed, they had decided that a Sahajitari Sikh, someone who was converting to Sikhi, or who was born in a Sikh family but was a Patit, they would be given five to six years extension on becoming a Sikh. After that, no excuses would be tolerated, you know. It's it's enough time in a way. But if you're saying that, you know, just become Sikhs today and people go and take Amrit, we don't need a massive boost immediately. We need people with quality who will also ensure that, you know, future generations of Sikhs are, you know, quality Sikhs. Now, the Singh Sabha did that back in the day. You know, people converted to Sikhi, had Sikh children. Today, we don't see that at all because the people who convert to Sikhi today, most of them are pretty weak-minded. They don't know what Sikhi is. I mean, most of it is just snowflake belief in the first place. And 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 uh, they, see, they see Sikhi as a very, very liberal religion, yeah? Yes. Now, I mean, <clears throat> one of these uh, individuals who actually uh, jumped onto... Uh, the anti-Sikh renaissance side to say that the interfaith marriage one was rubbish. Now, they believe in Satguru Nanak, you know, the 10 Sikh Gurus, Satguru Baba Moses, Satguru Baba Aaron, Satguru Baba Jesus Christ, Satguru Baba Muhammad, Satguru Baba Abraham. I mean, just about lots of Satguru Babas coming down all the way to Theodore Herzl, Satguru Baba Herzl as well. 
What does Sadhguru mean? Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> no, 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 they won't go that far. They won't go that oh, far. Oh, yet, okay, yet. Pagd Kabir in Gurbani says that his Satguru is Bibek, common sense, right? Guru Nanak tells us that the real undying Satguru, the Satguru who made him Guru, that Satguru is the truth, right? Yeah. But we're still stuck on those physical aspects because, you know, our preachers don't know what they're preaching and our people who are converting others into Sikhi, they themselves don't know what Sikhi is. Well, th- that relates to the question I asked you earlier, that how many people actually have the guts to say, well, I'm not too sure about that. You probably are somebody who, who knows better. <clears throat> the preacher simply mm. say, I'm an expert on this thing. Listen to me. No cross-questioning. And uh, he w- they will do their one-hour part or two-hour part and just, just get up and go home. Yeah. Oh, yep. And uh, the annual Amrit Sanchar on Sundays every month. That's another one. Yeah. Easy. The easiest way. Easiest way. Now, one thing we need to remember is that not every opportunity is an opportunity to convert people to Sikhi. No, not for, of course not. No, no. When Baba Bagel sing in the missiles attack Delhi, do you really think that as the forces were moving, the Khalsa Forge was moving towards Delhi, that they were converting people? They had like these uh, Banjapiare following behind in a wagon with, you know, Amrit Sanjar ready to convert people to Sikhi? No, they did not. Of course not. At that time, there were, there were tests and restrictions which had to be placed on people who became Sikhs to the point that if a Muslim wanted to become a Sikh, they actually had to, uh, they used to actually have him consume pig flesh just to check that he was really into, you know, becoming Sikh because Sikhs don't have that, uh, that uh, censorship, that taboo against swine flesh, you know. And these are the sort of things we see at the time. Not saying that today people need to eat swine flesh to prove they want to become Sikhs, but you need to have some form of a system to at least test that is Sikhi for these people? Will they be able to live in Sikhi? Because one thing we need to remember that as a minority population, we are more susceptible to outside influence brought by converts than converts are you know, susceptible to Sikh influence, especially in today's date. Oh, you make a very good point here. The outside influence that the converts might bring in. Yep, that converts might bring in. Now, we never had the concept of Rakri. Today, to justify Rakri, we are tying it to our sword, saying that our kirpans are our sisters. But, you know, what about our hands? Our hands and brains are the ones using those kirpans. Why nothing for them? Well, people directly to, to their motorbike. <laughs> and we are so desperate that we created a picture of Baba Nanak having a rakri tied to him. Well, well. What can I say, Matt? That that's all true, and that's all happening. And also, sometimes that you would say that you will see a lot of rakris, and uh, people uh, encourage that. Okay, we're well, not going to celebrate rakri instead of rakri. Why don't you mm-hmm. give me a weapon or something? I mean, you can get a weapon on any other day. Do you seriously have to get it on the day of rakri? Exactly my question. So, what's so special about giving me a weapon today? That's the thing. I mean, look, if you get a weapon, do you really have to get it on the day of Rakri? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a common sense question. But since common sense is a super, super, uh, superpower, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you know what to expect. And lots of other examples which are coming in. I mean, this uh, Vrat stuff is the one which cracks me up, that a woman's going to fast for her husband's life. And why doesn't a husband does the same for the wife? In Sikhi, women and men are equal. So why don't you do it? 
that's the thing. And you have the Snowflake Brigade saying, oh, it's love, it's love, it's love, it's love. I mean, that love probably wears off after the first two years. When you're swearing at her or she's swearing at you, does anyone remember that one of you went hungry for the other's life? Well, you, your love is like, well, you, you know how, how much the other person loves you when he, they refuse to cook your favorite food. I mean, what I heard is in India, they actually have a special uh, employee down there in the courts just to pick up the rakris after they're thrown away, after land cases are lost and property cases are lost. Well, a lot of them are thrown away. No, not even that. Uh, if you see that the way these things are used and these things have crept into Sikhi, you have nariyals being kept when you have you are doing the khandabad. Yep, uh, but yeah, and you have the that uh, little lamp called the Jyot that's uh, uh, lit up. And, oh, and nobody, and nobody dares cushion yeah. them because it's the Babaji, it's the Mariada, it's the Samprada. When I asked one of the boys about it, they told me it's for, you know, souls, you know, they listen to the part and they get liberation. Ah, so convenient. What about the lot listening to it for Parkiru and life? Or oh, what about the people who are, let, let's say, not finding any way, who are still alive? You are more concerned about the people who are dead. And that's the thing. That's the thing. When people are converting from outside of Sikhi, we need to make sure that they know what Sikhi is, what Sikhi entails. I mean, you have one of these uh, white converts I know, and I'm not being offensive. They treat the Granthi as a priest. And every morning he used to take a bottle full of water to get the Granthi to read a uh, part over it. And he would sprinkle it in his home to get, you know, ghosts away and all that. And then one day I had a talk with him and uh, one of the other, uh, you know, Pracharaks who was quite a, quite a talented Pracharak from the Sikh Missionary College. I brought him to his house and he and the Pracharak had a debate over Gurbani. And at the end, he finally realized that for the past 19 years, he had been following what was not Sikhi but something else altogether, you know, seeped in Christian traditionalism about getting evil spirits over the holy water, when in Sikhi, we do not have such concepts. That reminds me, there was a very famous picture from New Zealand Army about a white Sikh wearing a turban in the army, yeah? Yes, Lewis, I think his name was. Uh, hola, uh, uh, I think I must have forgotten his name. So that picture was oh, shared so many times on the internet. Yeah, mm. and they say, "Well, yep. do you know this guy's story?" Mm. So this guy, I, I think, correct me. I think you know more. You know more about him than I do. That he actually had to go to Anandpur Sahib to take Amrit. He spent a lot of years researching Sikhi before he became a Sikh. Now, you know, kudos to his, uh, you know, dedication and his passion. But the thing is, along the way, I'm sure he would have realized that some of the, you know, misconceptions about Sikhi being spread by Sikhs themselves are not right. Yep. And two things. First thing which hampers Sikhi from growing, spreading out to the world is our own people. Them saying that Sikhs can't convert. Myth or fact, we believe it's a fact. They believe it's a myth. They rely on, you know, superpowers to convert people to Sikhi. Life doesn't work that way. Well, uh, uh, let me give you another example. Yep. Uh Let's talk about rugby for for a few moments. Yep. In rugby, every position has got its own function, yeah, its own role, yeah. Yes. So yep. let's say if a winger wants to convert to a centre, 
Hmm. Or if a, if a fullback wants to go to the number 10 position, the fly half, yep. their roles change. Yes. But if some if if your coach, let's say, says you are good at wing, have you tried playing center? I see the potential in you. Hmm. Yep. So if he converts you from one position to the other, wouldn't you say that he converted you? Yes. So in the in the in the very same way, shouldn't we convert people that Yep, I understand what you mean. I understand what you mean. Yeah, well, uh, I, I just give you the, the sport you, you might be familiar with. Yep, and that's why I'm saying, like, Veer Pupinder Singh says, we need educated pracharics, and as I was saying, we need a centralized authority to do the prachar as well, because we have so many people doing prachar, it's not funny. And most of this prachar is pretty ludicrous. I mean, Guru Maharaj gave us kara, so you know, thunder doesn't strike us. Was thunder the only thing on Guru Maharaj's mind? Man, I can't even begin to talk about these things, man. And these people, these people hold Amrit Sanchar every month at their Gurdwara. Well, I, I would say it's, it's a sad, sad state that we are stuck in today and what's, what's happening in terms of Sikhi Pachar these days. I mean, a long time ago, one of the people here, one of the Gauras came to the Gurdwara and they were asking, can I meditate on the, you know, the scripture you read on? And people told him about Nam Jap and everything. At the end, he sort of uh, deduced that Sikhi was one of the renunciate fates, and he asked, well, why do you guys have such an emphasis on, you know, martiality when, you know, this world is a world full of suffering, so why do you guys try changing it? You know, why the military aspect as well? And then they were looking around, <laughs> oh, 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 uh, uh, you use the word meditation, yeah? Yeah. Yes. I don't believe Sikhi's got anything to do with meditation. No, but the thing is, I was saying is that he hears something from me, something from you, something else from someone else. That's turning people off. But see, in this thing, we are actually in a bit of a conflict with our own people in trying to promote the truth. We are sticking to our guns. They're sticking to their guns. It's becoming a massive battle. Now, at the end of the day, for example, you must have heard the story that there was a military general who questioned how Guru Arjun Dev could have you know, stood, withstood being fried alive. And uh, one of the Sikh soldiers actually jumped onto the Langara Patila in front of him and was, you know, the Patila was boiling and he had his feet boiled inside to show him how this happened. Now, if he say with enough conviction, enough dedication to your cause, you can withstand any torture. Does that make sense? Or does this make sense that, you know, some superpower comes and enshrines you so you don't feel pain? What makes sense the most? What, well, uh, you would have, if, if you were an army man, you would have numerous examples of soldiers fighting in the extreme weather conditions and still surviving, yeah? That's the thing. And I mean, so someone, you know, gets the impression that this is due to a superpower. They do everything you're saying, you know, meditation and whatever. And then they cut their finger with a skill saw and they feel pain. That pretty much impairs their belief in Sikhi, doesn't it? These little incidents, why am I facing pain? Why isn't God listening to me? Is my past karma so bad? And that's how people end up moving away from Sikhi. And when they realize what the reality is, it's too late. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's uh, how do I say, people should know this, that when people are dedicated to a cause, their entire mind changes. Yes, their entire mind yep. changes. And the first point I mentioned, yep, first point I mentioned was how are people are you know, becoming roadblocks in the way of other people becoming Sikhs. The second one is that our people, and this goes back to our Sikhs as well, 
each and every individual who professes Sikhi should know enough about Sikhi to be able to justify and promote their views. Each and every Sikh should be a preacher on, in their own right. Unfortunately, we don't have that today as well. Now, a long time ago, there was a comment made on Facebook that, you know, how do Sikhs view Jesus? Here's something to consider. All the converts to Sikhi, the white converts, the black converts, everyone said we don't believe in Jesus. We are Sikhs. And then you have a Punjabi Sikh standard conver- uh, commenting that, yes, he was a Satguru. What do you get out of that? You get a, the, uh, the feeling of the inferiority complex and the need to be accepted by everybody. Need to be accepted by everybody. And when Christian missionaries come into the Punjab and push that line, Satguru Jesus Christ, these same people are the one who are complaining about them lying. Well, you could simply say, well, you have your own beliefs. So we, do, we don't believe in Jesus. No, nothing. I mean, Sikhi is a distinct way of life. It should grow. This is something said in pretty much all the old Rehat Mariadas, even the modern one we believe in, the one, you know, certified by, ratified at the Kaal Takht, that Sikhs should promote their faith to non-Sikhs, but through the medium of the Guru Granth Sahib. I would say that I should be the living example of what a Sikh should be. Eh? I shouldn't just appear to be a Sikh. <clears throat> I should live Sikhi. But again, that's pretty much only, what, 40 to 50% of the game? Yeah, uh, in this way, in, in this way, Sikhi wouldn't appear hollow to, to people who are interested in it. Hmm. Now, for example, if I'm a non-Sikh, I see you're a living Sikh. I can see your lifestyle. I can see your practicality. You aren't, you know, boiled down by Dukkha and Sok. And I'll be like, so yes, that's... For me, that's 50%. The rest, the other 50% is finding out about those internal convictions and how you believe in them and why you believe in them. So you see what I mean? Yeah. That if there is a Sikh who's living as a perfect Sikh, they should also be able to explain and convince others to, you know, believe in what they believe in. That's the need of the hour, I would say. And I guess it speaks volumes to our society today that we are unable to convert so many other people. Now, On the Facebook group in Renaissance, we have, you know, several individuals from a Caucasian background who have converted to Sikhi. Yep. And in all our talks with them, we understand that what they believed about Sikhi, what the people who converted them to Sikhi told them, they believe it all to be false today, that they're now learning what Sikhi really is. Uh, I, I think uh, there is a French Sikh convert living in another Borsaib. Well, I mean... <clears throat> Whatever the issue, what I'm getting at is that those people are the exception. If they were the rule, they would have left Sikhi by now. Yep, and, and uh, I, I think I, I should actually try meeting you when I, when I go over there next time. Yep. I, I, I do believe there's a guy who's living on the Hibiscus Highway uh, north of Auckland. Okay, yep, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. But, I mean, the fact is that there is Sikhi, and then there is the Sikhi which is being promoted by our preachers. And that Sikhi is the one which says that we can't convert people to Sikhi because conversion is a sin. When they say convert, people have images of Aurangzeb, of Jahagir, and you know you understand what I mean. What I'm getting yeah, is essentially using forcing people to abandon their heritage and you know become something else. Yes, but then fundamentally, on the other end of the spectrum is the fact that you know if you believe in Sikhi, you have a unique universal heritage. Why wouldn't you introduce people to it? 
and uh, uh, that's the main point. That's that's should, what should, we should be focusing on. The the reason I've, I, why I give you the, the examples of uh, the French seeker living in, in Anandpur Sahib and uh, some other Kiwi seeker living on the Hibiscus Highway is that we should actually talk to th- those people that what attracted them to Sikhi to begin with. What do hmm. they believe at the point they converted, and what do they believe now, today? Hmm. I mean, that 1931 census was enough to get us political gains, to have our political voice solidified in the Punjab. We, you know, the Kali Dal got a boost, the SGPC got a boost, Panch Khalsa Devan got a boost. And yes, the tragedy of the Lahore Singh Sabha was that it was finally destroyed from the inside. Nonetheless, we had a voice, though, didn't we? And it was a loud voice at that time. Well, it was quite loud because you, you had people who were educators, you had people who had returned from the world wars, you had people who actually were, were let's say, uh, large landowning families. They were influential people. And I mean, if you look at it from this end of view, Baba Kham Singh Bedi, who had Professor Gurmukh Singh excommunicated, I have the letter which they used to excommunicate him. Uh, some of the allegations are that he's actually converted Muslims to Sikhi. He gave uh, Amrit from the same butter to high castes and low castes. He uh, spoke against the Hindu pantheon. He says that Baba Kham Singh Bedi cannot sit higher than the Guru Granth Sahib. Whatever those allegations, we know that 100 years later, Professor Gurmukh Singh was uh, pardoned post uh, humorously. However, if you look at it, Professor Gurmukh Singh had such a massive effect on the Punjab at the time that when he was excommunicated, thousands more started converting to Sikhi because of him. And he was, uh, you know, he was actually a professor of mathematics and Gurmukhi at Khalsa College, Lahore. Yep. Oh, no. Yes, yes. And then we had him establish a Sikh university as well. This, this was an educated man. Gyani Dath Singh was a man of letters. Bhai Tath Singh was a man of letters. Kanwar Bikram Singh was a man of letters. You see, these were educated people, and by education, I don't mean brainwashing, but people who were cognizant with reality, you know, who knew how the world worked, who had life experience. Well, that's all true. And uh, uh, how do I say this that everybody can understand it? That, uh, oh, sorry, leave it. That would be an entirely different yep. topic. Some other time, sorry. Yep. And- and between them, they could speak several different languages. Oh, they could. They could very well. Yeah. And our preachers today, the people we expect others to, you know, people who we think are going to convert people to Sikhi, they spend half their lives locked away in institutes, come out to a changed world, and they're barely unable to get Punjabis to listen to them. And we're talking about, you know, non-Punjabis as well. Not just that, if you see the way uh, the, the preaching goes, people are irritated by it. They have no interest in it. I'm using, the word, I'm using going... the word irritation. Mm-hmm. Ir- irritated. They just keep telling you tall tales. People know these tales are all lies, but nobody dares to question them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the principle in Gurbani is you understand Guru Bani through Guru's Bani, right? We don't have, you know, room for these, you know, fantastic sakis, sakis. You want to discuss history? Yeah, sure, discuss history. You want to associate it with Gurbani? Associate it with Gurbani. But why are you alleging that, you know, Gurbani is coming from these sakis rather when it's the other way around that some of these historical incidents are just, you know, de- we devices for us to utilize to explain how, you know, Gurbani changes their lives as well? Well, Gurbani surely is changing my life. The, the more I focus on it, the more I read it. Read it and not just, let's say, to attain some some level of intelligence or something. Uh, 
or to gain some things in the afterlife. I said, let me just read what the gurus are saying. Mm -hmm. And if a conversion is done properly, look at Bhai Sukha Singh. He was actually born in a low-caste Hindu family, became a Sikh. His uh, parents killed his daughter. They cut off his hair and he tried killing himself. But then when you know his faith awakened in him, he became a Sikh again. The same Bhai Sukha Singh who accompanied Bhai Matab Singh to, you know, uh, slay Masarangar for discrediting the Darbar side. That's one example. We have the example of Pai Lena becoming Guru Angad. Another example, Madhav Das becoming Baba Banda Singh. Another example. Well, yes. Oh, sorry. Oh, we, we missed the conversion of Banda Singh. That's a very, let's say, a, a, a <clears throat> very stalwart in Sikh history, a strong stalwart, and we haven't talked about it. We missed that. See, we need that quality of prachar, that quality of conversion to get you know people like that into Sikhi because as Sikhs, they can change the world. Now, Guru Gobind Singh dispatched uh, Tadi Nathmal to have a talk with Banda Singh. That's a contemporary source. And Banda Singh stayed with the Guru, the Sikhs, and found out how Sikhs lived. And he became a Sikh. There was no imposition on there at that time, only rational and logic. That's what we are saying today, that Sikh preachers need that rational and logic. I mean, if the guy had said, look, solar eclipses are an act of nature, that's what Sikhi believes, and ended it at that, there would have been no problem. But what's this that, you know, Baba Nanak turned into a sparrow and flew around the world? What is that? Well, it's, it's, it's a, just an attempt to believe that we are also powerful as, you, as your prophet or our prophet was also as powerful as your prophet. And that's the thing. Why are we relying on others to justify what we believe in? Oh, that's what I've said. He could simply said, these things don't apply to us. We don't believe in these, these miracles. Simple as that. Ended right there. And the world is waking up. The world is waking up to all these fantastic illusions. And if we don't up our game, we'll be left along the side of the highway as just another decrypt old religion. Yep. And uh, the way th <clears throat> the communication works today, that everybody has got at least one communication device. Your 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 mm -hmm. lies and your, your tall tales will disappear quicker than uh, a line on the water surface. That's the thing. And I mean, <clears throat> if you look at the Lahore Singh Sabha, just as we wrap up, there was the Lahore Singh Sabha, there was the Amritsar Singh Sabha, the Sanatan Singh Sabha. These fantastic tales finally destroyed the Sanatan Singh Sabha. Sanatan Sikh, what an oxymoron. Yep. Sikh scientists, Sikh children who at that time were studying to become scientists, they used to challenge the likes of Gani Gyan Singh and the others to prove their miracles. The only miracle it could be the internal change in yourself. I think that, that's the only miracle I could believe in. And here we had Professor Gurmukh Singh, Gyani Det Singh, Pai Tak Singh, and the several hundred others destroy the leading protest, uh, proselytizers of the day, leading preachers of the day from other faiths through just debate and the rational and logic of Gurbani. It could still be done today. Except, of course, we have the Snowflake gang with their uh, newfound excuse, Western lens. They live in the West, but don't want to use the Western lens. Yep. I don't want to use the Western <laughs> lens. And we, we, we are using the in, in English language, that, that's Western lens. We should talk in Punjabi only. Yep. And let's see how many more we burn with this one. <laughs> it will be interesting. It will be really interesting to see this because I'm sure that as we are building up, we will be burning quite a lot. And uh, 
For the future, just to recap, we need to start converting people. It isn't a myth that Sikhs convert. It's a fact. Let's accept that fact and wake up. Yep. We have been converting people for a long, long time. Guru Sahib's actively converted, converted people. We became Sikhs. Our, our families became Sikhs because somebody reached out to us and converted us. Mm-hmm. 50% of the game is <clears throat> living like you would want others to live. The other 50% is sharing your conviction and beliefs, what makes you you with them. Yep. And ultimately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, <clears throat> next week, we will have something more, I guess, more uh, biting again to uh, focus on because we've been getting a lot of requests that after the interfaith one, we should do something similar. So we will heed your requests. Just keep on sending us uh, your uh, ideas, your concepts. Uh, as for the Facebook group, we have a very strict policy as to who we admit. So in the uh, questions box, if you can give more details about yourself to help us actually get you in, we will do that. We also have a Substack blog where we share, uh, you know, Bangladesh from Gurbani and translate them. Ultimately, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us.